0: Welcome to Become an Idol. This is episode one. Learn how to transition from secondary school teaching to an instructional designer and online learning developer. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idle Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Maddie Rotrand about her experience transitioning from a secondary school teacher to an instructional designer and e-learning developer. We'll be sharing tips for switching careers and landing your first job. We have with us today Maddie Rotrand, and funny enough, I actually met Maddie because I put a job posting up for, um, idle courses and Maddie applied and she said, Hey, I might be the Swiss army knife of instructional design that you're looking for. And she absolutely is that. She does e-learning. She can create amazing graphics. She does the instructional design part where she scripts and writes and does all the needs analysis. And I've actually invited Maddie on here today. Because Maddie, after our conversations, I found out that she actually transitioned from being a secondary school teacher to a s- instructional designer and even a freelance instructional designer. And we're going to get more into that today. But Maddie, would you tell us more about yourself and talk about uh, what your what you call your company and just anything that you want to share to give people some insight about who you are and and what you do?
1: Um, sure thing. So just as you mentioned, I used to be a teacher. Um, I have a background in education, so I had a bachelor's of education, um, and I was teaching in classrooms for about seven years. Um, I went back to school, and I got a master's in instructional design, and right out of my master's, I immediately jumped into freelance instructional design, e-learning, and quickly enough, I ended up building my own company, which is called Nifty Learning. And today, I employ others. I also work a lot with my own clients. Uh, I do a lot of instructional design, um, e-learning courses. And I really am a Swiss Army knife because I'm doing totally different things for totally different industries. And it's always a lot of fun.
0: And so now you said that you actually moved from right out of your master's program into doing freelance. And I'm sure that a lot of people in our audience would be surprised by that notion. You know, how did you just start going into freelance when all you had was a master's degree in instructional design and no specific experience to instructional design?
1: Well, the way it worked for my program was that you had an internship option at the end of your degree. And so a lot of students, um, the university offered them. Uh, like an opportunity they could choose from a whole bunch of different uh, partnerships that the university had but there was also the opportunity if you wanted to secure your own internship and this could be remote it could be really they were flexible but very few students actually went that route and so one thing that was a bit unique about me was that I always knew that I wanted to do freelance and I spent a lot of time kind of reaching out to people on LinkedIn, um, becoming familiar with the instructional design freelance community, uh, going on these kind of, uh, what is it, coffee dates where I'm just learning about what people do. And so I actually took the time to build relationships before I finished my master's so that when it came time to look for that internship, I reached out to people who I had remotely kind of built relationships with and I said hey I'm looking for an internship do you have anything like you know of any opportunities and I actually had somebody he said oh I know three kind of other freelance companies I'll reach out to them for you and out of the three two said no but one said yes I'm looking for an intern that would be really interesting and that's kind of what led me so I, I did the internship that was like six hundred and seventy-five hours. And then from there that that client became my first client. And I went on to through those relationships to get more clients. And that's how I got into freelance.
0: Wow. So and that I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, you said you talked about getting an internship during your master's program, but I think what we really want to focus on too is just what about people who maybe they're already a, a secondary school teacher, so they definitely already have a bachelor's do you think that it's required if they want to get into instructional design as a secondary instructor to go and get a master's? Is that, I mean, how did you make that decision? And what are kind of like your current opinions about how that works?
1: Well, I have to admit now that I'm in the industry, I, I do find that it gives me a lot of credibility having that master's. I don't know if from an actual like still standpoint if I actually suddenly learned all that much from the master's degree to be honest like I did learn you know about Addy and things like you know some of the the instructional models and so on but when I actually think about the work that I do day to day it it was learned on the job uh one thing that I really had an issue with in my master's was that I didn't learn any authoring tools like it wasn't actually taught and so what I did is I went out and I paid out of pocket as a student. It was cheaper, but I actually taught myself how to use storyline. Um, and I like, I worked and created my own portfolio. I, I built stuff so that I could have it on the portfolio. And actually, I mentioned that that one company hired me. The reason that they did that was because they saw that I had taken initiative to like train myself. And I remember she said actually, If you aren't going to put money into yourself, then why should I put money into you? And so that was, yeah, so that was a good move on my part. And so to answer your question, like, I don't think it's necessary, but I do think that it does give you some credibility in the industry. But there are ways, you know, if you are able to take the time to create things of your own that you can then show, then clients will be interested in working with you.
0: Yeah. I actually have something similar that happened to me, which was, uh, it was getting my first instructional design job, like a real one with the instructional design title. And one of the questions that, uh, the hiring manager asked me on the phone, he said, Oh, do you, are you familiar with storyline and captivate? And I said, yes. And I had all I had done really is like downloaded the free trials and made things with it. And, um, so I said, yes. And then, he said, what about Lectora? And I had, I had never even heard of Lectora. And I said, Oh, I actually, I don't know what that is. And, and he said, Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just another e-learning authoring tool. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, that night I went to find Lectora. I downloaded the free trial and then I made an e-learning sample course about what I learned about using Lectora. And I emailed him and showed him, uh, the file. And he actually said that that was exactly why he hired me and gave me a chance, even though I only had higher education experience, and it was because of just like you said, the initiative to go and just figure it out. And that's a lot of what being an instructional designer is in general, I think.
1: Yeah, for sh- sorry to cut you off. I was going to say yeah, especially in freelance, like in freelance it's really just you going out and getting your own clients and, you know, making sure that you get the work done and managing your timelines, you know, and all the different projects you have going on. So if you don't have that type of
0: personality, then I don't think freelance is the right route for you. Right. And so what about a teacher who says, look, I don't have time to go get a master's degree. Do you think that I still have a chance to uh, make it into corporate instructional design? Well, I'd say if
1: you have to have the time to at least, like, if let's say the work was offered to you, if you're too busy, then how would you do the work? So that's where I'm kind of having like a a bit of a hard time getting my head around it. But at the same time, I think, yeah, if you don't have time to go back to school, there's still ways to improve your skills so that you're able to, you know, bid on something or offer your another skill set in a different industry. So I, I do think that it's an option, but then. You, there's still like, for example, we talked about Storyline and like the t- free trial. So, like, you could take, you know, there's tons of demo courses. So, at least you become familiar if you want to go into like authoring tools so that you at least you know how to work with Storyline. Um, there's also teachers do a lot of like lesson planning. So, you know, if you wanted to maybe leverage that skill and create some storyboards, for example, um, you know, take pre existing courses that you have and, Show how it would look as a storyboard for an e learning. That's, th- that's a way to kind of like quickly create samples of work you already have.
0: Right, and that's actually something that we've talked about before, Maddie, and, and that is that there's a lot of instructional design positions where you don't actually need to know how to use the e learning authoring tools. Yes, you can, um, you know, maybe garner a higher rate, but not necessarily always. And you, you know, you have more opportunities for jobs in corporate if you can develop e-learning courses. But you and I were talking about how you know several instructional designers that just do the, the writing, the needs analysis, they interview the SMEs and they write storyboards.
1: Yeah. Like I actually think based on my experience, like instructional designers actually are often, so there are people like you and I who do both, but I've found that there's instructional designers and there's e-learning developers. And actually, I've always found the instructional design positions pay more than e-learning developer ones. Um, I have found also that like, if you can do both, that actually works better for like smaller clients who maybe have like a small budget and they just want to like hire one person to like take care of everything. Whereas like the larger corporate ones, actually, it's like they have no issue with, you know, having separate people doing different parts of the the project i have found though that i've worked with a lot of instructional designers who are not familiar actually with the uh, the authoring tools and that can be i mean good and bad because on the one hand okay so they're specialized in instructional design and that's totally totally fine but on the downside i have found that sometimes they make recommendations for things that like aren't even possible as an e-learning developer Yes, I've seen that too. <laughs> or yeah, or or there's really creative. If you know like what type of interactions can be built in the authoring tool, then you're able to kind of think more creatively as opposed to like oh, make these buttons, you know, or like there's like really interesting things that you can do. And so I think though that does come with personality type too. Um, you know, not everybody is a super visual type of person. And it's, it's worth kind of, I guess, evaluating yourself and determining, you know, do, do I, first of all, am I good with graphics and visuals? Because if you're not, then probably e-learning development isn't the right tool for you. Um, yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, there, I've worked with people who are, have like programming backgrounds and then they do a lot of, yeah, they can work in storyline, but it's like, okay, so you're really good at all the triggers and so on, but then you aren't the, the course is just very dry and still not visual. And then on the flip side, you have people who are super visual, but it's like distractingly beautiful. It's not instructional anymore. So I think it's like really, there is, it's figuring out kind of what you're, what you fit best for.
0: Right. And then once you make that decision, right, do I want to go down the path of being an e-learning developer? Do I want to go down the path of becoming like just the instructional designer or do I want to be an idol and do both? And and once you make that decision to make a transition out of teaching, you think it's got to be formatting that resume in a way where it's skills that are transferable first and then finding ways to tailor your resume where it doesn't say things like secondary school teacher, but instead you're talking about your experience as it relates and yeah. translates to instructional design and building that online portfolio, especially for corporate. Jobs.
1: For sure. And I will say that, like, I've seen a lot of teaching material that's absolutely stunning. Like, you know, it could be like for grade two, but like the visual, like, the, you know, the amount of effort that's put it, like, there are a lot of teachers whose backgrounds, like, they could be graphic designers. So it's, you know, and it's about, can you then t- take that and maybe build it out in storyline? And there you go. Like, you, you can show that you suddenly have this beautiful thing that you've
0: built in storyline so you can, leverage your skills. Yeah. And I would just, for anybody who's listening and thinking about like, oh, I do have courses that I could, you know, show off in my online portfolio to make a transition to instructional designer. But I would still encourage you to not show secondary types of content, like secondary education content, because you want to move away from the hiring manager looking at you as just like a school teacher to an instructional designer. So, Anything that's actually relevant to the corporate space, whether that's like a software program or a soft skill like listening or something like that, um, that's really what you want to try to make. So even if you've made something already for secondary education, you'd be better off if you say, for instance, you did a workshop on professional development for other teachers. That would be more something that you could just load into your portfolio. That'd be more accepted than how to count. <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually, I wish I had taken your advice because my, my very first storyline course, well, I it wasn't so strictly secondary, but it was how to target safety issues in classrooms. And so it was like little, it was, I had like pictures of a classroom and then there were like clear danger things all over the room scattered. And when you clicked on them, it would tell you like Oh, these loose wires could electrocute children or whatever. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily the best choice for my first portfolio, um, item, but
0: nonetheless, it was, they were happy I had a course. So there we go. Right. You still showed off your skills. And I I mean, that's a good point too. I mean, if you just, if you just do the work and you show proof that you did it, the content, you know, of that course is not really that important, but if you are just starting out and you haven't created anything yet, then tailor it towards your audience. Yeah, I mean that's what you got to do as an instructional designer anyway. It's all about you know tailoring your information for your audience.
1: I've seen a lot that are just boilerplate too, but I really think that it's worth putting in content because exactly as you say, um, you're not even if you're just like showing the the, the authoring tool part you. It's, it shows your value as an instructional designer too. If you can actually like take a topic and, you know, break it down. And I would even recommend like do a storyboard that you can show and then build a, the course out in, in a storyline or whatever. So then you can show that you, you're doing both parts and how it would transition from storyboard into
0: a storyline course. That's also very useful for a client to see. And I'm just going to put a little plug here. If you have never used a storyboard, you don't have a template, and you don't know exactly what that would look like, you can download a free e-learning storyboard template that is a learn, teach, do model um, on idlecourses.com so that you can already have your template and you can use that and repurpose it for your own portfolio.
1: Oh, good to know. I'll go download that now. <laughs> <laughs> like you need one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although I, you know, uh, this is probably, I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to admit this, but there's a lot of times when I don't use a formal storyboard. A lot of times storyboards are used by instructional designers, um, that have to work in a team environment, right? So if they have to, you know, pass it off, pass it down the line to, um, an e-learning developer, just like we talked about how those two positions or roles can be separate. But if you are both the instructional designer and developer, Sometimes just, I I just put comments on the, on the script, on the design script. Like, this will be an animated video or this is going to be this interaction. I mean, it all depends, but.
1: Yeah, I think it really, um, I've had that experience too, especially with smaller clients when it's like, they just want to get things done quickly. And so it's like, yeah, we don't need it as formal or like, I've had both sides where some where it's like, once it's in the storyboard, it's like written in stone. You cannot change things from the storyboard. And then I have had others where it's like, oh, you know, once it's in storyline, like, yeah, it's fine to change the script a bit. And da, 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 da. so it's like, it really, really depends on context. But I, I totally
0: agree with you. Okay. So I just want to um, give our teachers who are listening like our, our last bit of best advice for making the transition from secondary education to Well, we'd have to say a corporate instructional design role, or like a nonprofit, because if you're going into higher education uh, as an instructional designer, you have to have a master's. So um, that's why I really keep focusing on getting a corporate job. Also, corporate pays more. So (laughs) if that's important to anybody, which is also, well, I mean, this might be before we give our best tips. Maybe like one more thing that we might want to talk about is is why so many teachers want to move out of the classroom and into instructional design. And, um, you know, I have teacher friends and, you know, I wasn't actually a teacher myself. So, man, you'll have to help me out here. But about, they say that, you know, it's about the politics. There's no for, you know, there's no way to advance in your career unless you want to become a principal and you, there's no raises. And then, of course, corporate has like so many perks. You know, sometimes they'll pay for maternity leave or all the benefits that come with a corporate position. And including the pay. What kind of made you, uh, make the transition, Maddie?
1: Um, well, where I live, there's also, there's like way too many teachers and not enough, uh, positions. So it's very competitive. And the way it works is like in order to actually secure like a full time permanent position with your own classroom, it's like takes about seven years. And so I, I was. Wow. Yeah. And so you know, after having moving around from school to school year to year, taking over maternity leave positions and so on, I was just like, it was very frustrating. Um, also, the thing like you said about the politics really turned me off where I was. And so I just, I decided that I wanted to have like a different type of career. And I'm really glad I made the change because yeah, it's definitely been better in
0: all aspects. Yeah. And, and, and the way, and the way of the instructional design path is like, you really can't, there's so many different paths that you can take once you're in, like, once you're a teacher, there's like one path, like you're in a classroom or you're a principal or you're like on the superintendents, right? Mm -hmm. In U.S. or whatever, for sure. But when you get into instructional design, just kind of like we've already mentioned, there's so many paths. You can go down the different industry. Things. you can even kind of become a subject matter expert slash instructional designer uh, you can consult as an instructional designer freelance e-learning development all those kinds of things um, and so there, you know it's not just a one path type of career yeah agree yeah okay so now we're going to give our best and final advice to the teachers to just wrap this up so maddie i want you to go first
1: well, I'm probably going to reiterate what I said earlier, but it's just that invest time and even money in yourself to get yourself attractive enough that people actually want to work with you. So even like myself, even though I didn't have any clients and no prospects, I still went and bought Storyline and taught it to myself. And that Because I took the time and initiative to do that, people recognize that. And it said a lot about my skills, and my personality. So I'd say, You know, if you really
0: want it, then go for it and people will see that. Yeah. And make sure that you tailor your resume, make it transferable skills at the top and try to get instructional design and those skills that are related because those keywords are important, especially when you go into those applicant tracking systems for recruiters or even whenever you submit your resume, that resume online, that resume is going Into a database that is going to be looking for keywords, and we'll actually be filtering out resumes that don't meet those keywords. So make sure that you get those in your resume. Update your LinkedIn, right? Get instructional designer in your in your title. Say curriculum developer. Go to Google, find the keywords that are all related to instructional designer, and put them all over your LinkedIn page. And then, of course, you need to have some kind of portfolio. Just like Maddie was talking about, even if it's like just Use the storyboard template, create some storyboards, do the trial for Articulate Storyline after you've created a storyboard and try to flesh out your storyboard if you want to do e-learning development. PowerPoints, job aids, anything, analysis worksheets, I think would also be relevant on a portfolio because it shows that you can think like an instructional designer and that's what employers want to see. And then, um, of course, the last piece of advice is to network. People who know you are more likely and and willing to take a chance on giving you your first opportunity as an instructional designer than just some random person that sees an educator or or secondary school teacher on your resume. Yeah,
1: I'll second that, Robin. I was about to say build relationships. I'm going to say like 90% of my work now is Comes from like word of mouth, like, or people who have worked with me, re, you know, like rehiring me. And my first opportunity equally was from somebody who I had, you know, spent time building a relationship with. And then they recommended me to someone they knew. So it wasn't just total randomness. That's
0: wonderful. Maddie, thank you so much for joining me and sharing on the Become an Idol podcast. I hope that this helps. I know this is going to help teachers. And I'm just so glad that I got to do this episode with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy, where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use e learning authoring tools templates for everything course building, and a friendly community to network with. Now, get out there and build transcendent courses.